You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson, former NFL scout. I am joined by Sage Rosenfeld, former NFL player. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. Sage joins me every Tuesday. I got Mike Renner coming back on Wednesday as usual, Mike Sando on Thursday, picking games on Friday. Sage, what's up, man? Not much. I'll tell you what, one week officially down. I'm actually yeah. I'm happy we do this on Tuesday rather than Monday because sometimes that Monday night game uh, is sort of, you know, sort of caps off the weekend. Shoot, two, last night we had two games. But on top of it, there's so much to digest from Sunday. It sometimes takes me, you know, most of Monday to, to watch some film, watch some highlights. You know, it's impossible to watch every football game. And so sometimes I think Tuesday is the best sort of Monday morning quarterback type of day because you have to digest everything from Sunday. Yeah, it's a good point. And when I was with ESPN, actually, those 10 years, I hosted a chat, an online chat at noon on Wednesday every week. And basically before that chat, it was like my halftime. Like before that chat all week, I was focused on all the games before and then right after going after that chat, I pretty much was like, okay, on to next week. As it was just how my mind worked about trying to digest as much as possible. Just so much out there. Yeah, it's you know it's very different than uh, you know say the NBA or, or whatever, where you know the games are sort of uh, you know uh, uh, they're sort of planted randomly throughout the week, and you know this, that, and the other. So you know the NBA or I'm sorry, the NFL, they're just so much on Sunday and everyone sort of a, it owns a day of the week, basically, you know, in the United States. And so, you know, one, one week down, uh, it was a heck of a week, a lot to talk yeah. about, you know, going all the way back to the shoot seems like two weeks ago, that Thursday night game uh, between the Eagles and, uh, and, and the Atlanta Falcons. We could talk about him. There's so much to talk about. So uh, obviously, you know, I always love talking about quarterbacks and and you know, there's a lot of good quarterback play this week. Some really bad quarterback play, <laughs> yeah. which we saw last night. Surprisingly bad. And uh, but uh, but also some surprisingly really good performances, which are a lot of fun to talk about as well. Yeah, let's let's focus on last night just briefly here too. I mean that that Lions game was an utter disaster. I mean they had to play them or the Bills had the worst performance of the week. Stafford didn't help the cause from the beginning, played poorly. Then he really took a beating. I mean, two noticeable injuries, and I get that he's fighting through it, but at one point I was just thinking, get him out of there. I mean, just just get chalk this one up. And then on the other side, you're looking at Darnold. He throws a pick six, his first ever throw in, a game, in the NFL, doesn't rattle him one bit, and just plays a real cool, calm, collected game. And I think that's who he is. Yeah, you know, they, I think the Lions officially took over the worst team of the week award from the Buffalo Bills. They stole it right out of their hands. Yeah. You know, the Bills played terrible. You know, also on everyone saying that what the heck happened to the Bills? You know, they they went to the playoffs last year. Obviously, they, you know, they had Tyrod Taylor at quarterback or Tyrod Taylor, I should say, uh, at quarterback, and you know, then they throw up a stinker and just get blown out. But but I, I, the difference is. You know, they have Peter Minnick quarterback, who's, I believe, getting his second career start through yeah. five picks last year in the rain. Right. I think at Baltimore. Right. So, you know, tough place to play. That, just bad thing. Yeah. It's not an easy place to play. Playing in the rain. Young quarterback. The Detroit Lions are playing at home with Stafford, who's, you know, you'd probably say a top 
eight or nine or ten quarterback in, in the NFL. You know, a ton and ton of experience. Uh, you know, they, 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 they you know they have the new coaching staff, and obviously, uh, you know, but but the offensive, uh, you know, the offensive uh, Jim Bob, Jim uh, Bob Cooter is the same offensive coordinator from last year. So right. this one is really really confusing. I don't get it. Uh, at all, and uh, you know, and I'm a and I'm a Matt Stafford fan. I like guys who are a little bit of a gu- who are gunslingers at heart, and they have to sort of find ways to, to hone it back. And you know, over the course of their career, they're gonna they're gonna throw some bad interceptions, but they're also gonna win you a lot of football games by bringing your team back and being you know one of those guys that say, hey, let you know let let me put the franchise on my back and. and Let's go get this thing down 14 in the fourth quarter. Stafford's one of those guys. Yeah. But man, that was a an absolutely terrible performance on on uh, on Monday Night Football. Yeah, and nobody helped him, and the team couldn't have been worse. And what's concerning, though, is, I mean, like you said, that's really concerning. They're favored at home. I mean, they got the better quarterback. They're you know an established they the, team. You good playing against the youngest quarterback to start a game in the history <laughs> of the National Football League. Right. And he was good. Yeah, he did everything asked of him. He did. He played very well. The other game was, he was little, very good. Yeah, way, go ahead. He, no, he no. was very good. And I'll, I'll skip over Sam Darnold here, but he was very good. And uh, you know, I you don't know how these college guys are going to be until you, you know you sort of see a little bit in the preseason. You see potential in the preseason, but then there's the regular season. So yeah, the way he bounced back from that first interception played very well the rest of the way. You know, one thing that I do believe gives Sam Darnold a really nice advantage that people. Probably the sort of the regular people or fans don't probably understand is Jeremy Bates, the offensive coordinator. He was sort of raised in the Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay system. In that system, which I played in for three years in Houston, and, and Kyle was my quarterbacks coach and coordinator. Quarterbacks can function fairly quickly in the offense. You're not counted on to do a a, a ton of audibling, uh, especially early in it. Um, you're, you're not counting on to change the protections and tell the line and you know what to do and how they're going to block things. They sort of handle things up front. It allows the quarterback to really just try to be, just try to execute the offense uh, and go through their reads and have proper footwork. Uh, and you know, the, the run with the play action, you know, the play action plays are great for quarterbacks. You can, you know, fake the handoff. It slows down the pass rush. And then you can try to push the ball down the field with an easy down the field play you know shot type of play to your to your check downs and the flat to your running backs or something you know really simple reads and uh, and sam darnold did a really nice job and with his first time running that jeremy bates offense in week one of the 2018 no doubt season and i also think todd bowles he was our defensive back coach when i was with the browns along with chuck pagano i think he's a heck of a coach and doesn't get the credit he deserves and i also think that jets defense is going to be a thorn in some team sides for all year yeah, you know they might be they might be the second team in the uh, the AFC East. You know, it's yeah. interesting. I, I played in that division way back with the Dolphins, and uh, at that time it was sort of a Dolphins Patriots back and forth a little bit, and then the, obviously the Patriots took it over and have basically owned. Or I think I think the Dolphins won one with Chad Pennington, maybe won a division title at some point along the way. But I mean that thing has been absolutely dominated by the Patriots for you know, about seventeen. Uh, 17 years now, or something like that. 18 years, and uh, you know maybe the the Jets are a team that can at least compete for that second spot and try to sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, you never know. And the AFC is pretty wide open, um, as we have been the last couple Tuesdays. We are brought to you by the Athletic. Sage knows these guys very well. 
Uh, what you need to do is go to theathletic.com slash LockedOnNFL, all one word, all lowercase. That gets you 40% off your first year subscription. It's only $2.99 a month then. I mean, it's well worth it. Um, the Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. Their model is very, very simple. No ads, no pop-ups, no autoplay videos, none of that nonsense. Instead, readers get subscribed to Authentic, in-depth coverage written by excellent journalists who know their teams inside and out. I've gotten to know quite a, those, you know, quite a few of those guys well, including Mark Caboli, who handles the Steelers very well. Uh, coverage goes well beyond you know game recaps and trade speculations. Subscribers have access to local and national content now with more than 650 news stories published every week across all sports. And the latest news with these guys are, I mentioned they have national uh, coverage as well. They've added people like Jay Glazer, Lindsey Jones, Mike Lombardi, my man Ross Tucker, Dane Brugler. So lots going on at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash LockedOnNFL, all one word. That saves you 40% off your first year subscription. Um, Sage, we had another game last night that was a little more competitive. Um, well, can we can we can we get to can we can we can we get back to it? Can we? I'd like to transition right from your athletic ad, yes, right into my article that I wrote on the athletic. Oh yeah, bring it uh, on! That came out either last night or this morning. So I write for the Athletic Minnesota. So I cover the Vikings every week. I have to watch them every week for sure. And uh, so uh, I, I wrote about, you know, the Kirk Cousins and, and really both Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo okay. in last night's game. I think those are, you know, those are two quarterbacks that people are, are really interested in. Obviously, in particular, the, the Vikings are a team that I, I'm sure we'll be talking about plenty, you know, throughout this year. I, I think they're going to be one of those teams that's, uh, you know, probably in the hunt there uh, when we come playoff time. Yeah, I think so, too. And Let's talk about that game. I mean, I, I didn't watch it start to finish yet, but it sure seemed like Minnesota controlled the action for the majority of the time. Um, DeForest Buckner gave them some problems. Uh, the Niners had some self-inflicted wounds, including their red zone play wasn't great. But from the most part, it sure looked like Cousins outplayed Jimmy. The Vikings' defense was dominant. It looked like Cousins had a nice rapport with Cook as a receiver, who certainly looked healthy. Um, Thielen, Diggs, I mean, all those guys. The line still worries me a little in Minnesota, but the defense makes up for a lot of issues. Is that pretty much what you saw? And I'd like to hear more your plots on all that. Yeah, well, you could say Cousins out Garoppolo by doing less in, in, in some aspects. Get realize, going into this football game, Jim Garoppolo is going to have to play great. He's mm -hmm. got a, a lesser team. He doesn't have a top-ranked defense. He doesn't have you know two gr really good running backs. Uh, you know they have issues at wide receiver. It's not a, an area of depth there. I think in the first corner, Goodwin, uh, their their fastest wide receiver, got hurt right off the bat. So now right. they're down that. So Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, was trying to be Superman, and usually when that happens against a good, really good defense, unless you're Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, you end up trying to do too much, and and you know the things go sideways on you. That's sort of what happened in that football game. I got a question for you. How many games last year, and regular season games of 16, how many games did the Vikings have a 16-point lead or more or at some point during those games? Wow. Um, obviously, they no, had no, a... Yeah. What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, obviously, they had a very good season. But off the top of my head, I don't remember them blowing people out all that often. Um, they were ahead by 16 points in 10 games last year. Wow. 
in the regular season. So, you know, you, you have that lead and this is basically a card. This game was sort of a carbon copy of their, their last year. In a sense, they get this lead. And then with that defense, they can just sort of sit on teams and lean on them and just, you know, until they finally make a mistake. And then Garoppolo, you know, made some of those mistakes. So, uh, yeah, this game was a, sort of a carbon copy of last year. They got the lead. The quarterback didn't have to do too much. Just mm-hmm. don't turn the ball over. Hit your key guys. You know, he used digs really well. Beautiful throw to him. Uh, you know, Kyle Rudolph is a red zone stud for the Vikings. He doesn't do a ton out in the open field. He's not like Jason Witten. Uh, really, in the open field is sort of the, the security blanket that catches a lot of balls. But red zone, Kyle Rudolph, he's about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, has great catching and leaping ability and can go up. You sort of put it up high, and, and you know, he caught one of those too. So, you know, there was one of those games where less was active, asked of Kirk Cousins. And therefore, he excelled, uh, and more was asked of, of Jimmy Garoppolo. And against that good defense, he made too many mistakes. Yeah, and Zimmer has that that thing humming really well. The defense, in particular, is absolutely stellar. Uh, I thought the defensive tackles played very, very well. I thought the coverage was strong. You know, very active at all levels, as they usually are. Aggressive. Um, but discipline, too. I mean, it's a good mixture of talent, aggression, and discipline on defense. It is. They don't do a, a ton of different coverages. They got about four different things they do. They really they love that double A gap blitz. Mm-hmm. You know, Harrison Smith. I, I'm glad the rest of the league has really started to sort of see how good Harrison Smith is. He was such a good player when he was young. Uh, you know, if you lined up all the safeties in the league and said, you know, who's got the who's the fastest and who's got the highest leaping ability and the strongest guy with the bench press and all these things, Harrison Smith is probably not going to be, you know, you know, in the top 10 physically uh, gifted safeties in the league. He has so much uh, savviness and a knack for the football, and he's just one of those guys who's always around the ball, whether he's forcing a fumble, whether he's picking up a fumble. Uh, you know, he takes advantage of, 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 of uh, overthrows or tip passes. He's just always there, and he's such a good safety, and, and he's part of the reason you know that Vikings defense is one of the best in the league. Yeah, and I think you said it well that – Less was asked of Cousins. That doesn't mean that you know what we should just overlook what he did that day. You know, his first start in a new uniform, big money contract over the summer, but he looked comfortable with his guys. He really did. He really did. Now, one thing that Vikings fans are going to have to be aware of: you, you saw so much in the last. Well, I think you saw about three years ago with Teddy Bridgewater, where he'd get get the offensive line out trouble a lot then he had sam bradford who couldn't move very well so they really had to change their passing game to a lot of quicker stuff and some play action they, they really struggled just to drop back with sam bradford because they couldn't protect him and then you had keenum who was sort of like bridgewater you know he could he could get that offensive line out of trouble they're sort of going back to with the cousin situation he's not a guy he'll, he, he ran a few times in the game but he's not a guy who is just a sort of a creator you know he's an executor not a creator and uh so that is going to be something to look out for is, you know, if the offensive line does struggle to to pass protect, which is probably their weakest part, they're a good run block in O-line, but not a great pass block in O-line. If they struggle and the, and the, the Vikings are behind, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to take a lot of hits uh, because he's not a guy who can avoid the rush all that well. All right, we are back. And I want to touch on the other game last night. The Rams basically took over in the second half, and some of my impressions were Oakland came out flying. You know, home game, Gruden's there, a lot of excitement, a lot of energy, 
and they attacked the middle of the field. They absolutely controlled the clock with Lynch and Jared Cook. Who, I mean, where'd that come from? Um, Jalen Richard caught a lot of passes, but it was really attacking the middle of the field with the running game and the short passing game, staying away from Peters, staying away from Tlaib, and that worked well for a half with a lot of energy, but then I kind of felt like, boy, it was a tale of two halves. You know, the Rams just started to take over. They leaned on Gurley, who only had six touches in the first half. Um, they kind of knew what the Raiders were doing at that point and started to shut it down a little bit more. And the offense came around and was able to sustain some drives, and they pulled away in the end. But Carr worries me a little bit. Yeah, and it's interesting as you, you know, we, as you described that game and you know the game plan and how that game unfolded. It was sort of like when Ole Miss plays Alabama and they stick with them for a, a good half. <laughs> yeah, and they're right. playing good football. They've got the adrenaline. First game of the year, we're playing one of the most talented teams in the league, if not the most talented team. And then at some point as the game goes on, the better team just starts to sort of dominate and that's what happened last night it was sort of like you know the men got separated from the boys about midway through the third quarter last night uh, i really see in college like... basketball a lot sage you know like yeah nc yeah, starts too. out slow and then they just sort of take over and wear you down that, yeah that that's right it's like yeah yeah we're, we're beating duke by four at halftime and right then, like, you know we're down by 20 right so <laughs> right. at some point the the men get separated from the boys i i really did uh, i was really intrigued by the game plan. Uh, you know, I've been out of the NFL now for, I, I believe this is my seventh season. So I always sort of think, you know, Hey, if I had to go back uh, and somehow get into coaching or whatever, you know, how much have I missed? You know, I try to watch as much yeah, film right. as possible and you're following things, but you know, with all these teams and their jet sweeps and all these motions and this, that, and the other, I sort of go like, how are they calling that? You know, how are they, how are they describing that in the huddle with a play call? Because we didn't have that type of stuff just seven years it's amazing how much the game has progressed but uh you know I, I he did some of that which i was and it was successful like he it's almost like he i mean he obviously understands what teams have been trying to do whether it's in college football mm -hmm. in the pros the last couple of years that's a little different than you know john gruden from 10 years ago uh, i i really really liked his game plan uh of of trying to throw the ball to cook as much as possible there are times uh where you're just straight up They've got better players than us, consistently better players than us. And it's at the cornerback position. Uh, Peters and Tlaib are probably the best duo in all the NFL. So a lot of times they'd go slot with those guys and then put Cook, you know, out by himself one-on-one -on -one or even just working over the ball one-on-one -on -one with either, you know, against linebackers or uh, the safety who, you know, end up having an interception. But, uh, you know, you're right. You know, Carr needs to play better. Uh, and, uh, obviously the, the, interception at the end was, was baffling, I think to everybody, mm -hmm. I think it was, you know, obviously baffling, baffling to car. I don't know what, what happened there. Just sort of tossed one up, uh, and, you know, to, to the linebacker, you know, he could have fair caught that thing. I, that was something else. So he has to be, you know, the, the interception in the end zone, he under threw that ball. I mean, you gotta realize cook is, he looks like he's about six, six guy. He's a jump ball guy. So, you know, he's going, he's working against a, about a six foot safety. You got to throw that one up. Uh, and obviously, the interception at the end of the game. So, um, but that doesn't even worry me compared to the defense. I'm oh, boy. really worried about this Oakland Raiders defense. Said the offense was doing a lot of good things. They were clicking, they were moving the ball, uh, they were hitting Cook, they were running the ball some. They ran the ball very well. And then, uh, you know, their defense just couldn't stop them. So that is, 
we're going to hear uh, for the next probably whole season, if not a couple seasons, you know, it'd be nice for the Raiders to have a really good pass rusher on that play when the quarterback <laughs> right. took four hitches in the pocket. It would be really <laughs> nice if they could stop the run because usually Mac was on that side and he was a really good run stopper defensively. I mean, we're going to be hearing that. Uh, you know, uh, I think at least for the next month or two, if not the whole season, if not for the next probably five years. Yeah, you're 100% right. And that might be the worst defense in the league. And, and it wasn't good with Mac. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, it was a work in progress, to say the least, with him. And then you take a, you know, a stud out of the mix and it's going to be bad. And, oh, by the way, the Rams were the highest scoring team in the league last year. They have weapons galore. I really liked how Brandon Cooks had a bigger role than Sammy Watkins a year ago. Obviously, everything flew through, you know, flowed through Gurley. But I still look at Goff and think, boy, he's got a long way to go. He did some good things yeah. last night. And I tell you what, and sort of like what I said about, you know, saying, and you know, you'll, we'll talk about this throughout the year, but I have this sort of, you know, special spot in my heart for this sort of Kyle Shanahan system because I played my best football in the league uh, in that system, I, I may even had a quarterback rating over 90 uh, for a year or two there. So, you know, I, uh, I, I, have a, I have a soft spot in my heart for it. So that the Kyle Shanahan system also means Sean McVay system, also means the Jeremy Bates system, also mm-hmm. means uh, the Matt LaFleur system, who's with the Tennessee Titans as their offensive coordinator. They're all very, very similar. Uh, and quarterbacks usually play fairly well in the system. Well, that, the Mariota talk, that's, a, that's another conversation right now. But... Jared Goff looks from two years ago. It's incredible how much he has progressed. Um, is he Carson Wentz? No, but I really do. He's got a nice, quick release. Yeah. Uh, I like his accuracy. He's his timing is good. Um, he knows how to check the ball down. I mean, that's that's a people don't realize you're going against a zone defense and you try to take a shot down the field. Uh, I know it's not exciting, but those checkdowns in the flat to those running backs that they catch them at three or four yards end up getting six and seven. Those are huge because sometimes those turn into 15s and 20s as well. If somebody misses a tackle or, or, or somebody just loses their man, uh, you know, those are huge. He's very patient. Uh, the design and play calling by Sean McVay is brilliant. I, he might be the best in the league. He, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, they just have so many good players all over the field. I mean, they have Sue and Darnold on the inside. And then they have, you know, Talib and, and Peters on the outside. Are you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> right. they, 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 this this team is – and their weakness is And Wade Phillips gets to dial it all up, too. He's one of the best in the And Wade too. Phillips. Right. Yeah, so Sean McVay literally has to he, – he literally just worries about one side of the ball and then the team's speech on Saturday night. That's like his whole schedule. He doesn't worry about defense, you know, at all uh, with Wade Phillips, who's uh, a creative mind, but also Wade Phillips – and like most defense corners, Wade Phillips does really well when he has really good talent. He loves individual matchups. So sort of like when in Denver where Tlaib was before, he had really good players. He could, he could create individual matchups uh, where it's almost like the defense is playing offense. He's going to be doing those same things with this LA Rams defense. All right, we are back. We've had a lot of great talk already. I want to finish it up with just a real quickie. And Sage, you mentioned you're going to be doing a side project all year, studying Trubisky with the Bears. So I'm thinking most Tuesdays, I want to get a minute or two out of your, uh, from you on your thoughts on Trubisky that week, because he's a really interesting guy and a really interesting offense, kind of like you talked about before, a schemed up offense, should be an improved offense. 
But I don't know we can go there without mentioning what Aaron Rodgers did either. I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. Um, he's no offense. You were a very fun quarterback to watch, but in the <laughs> no, his- no offense. Taken. <laughs> But in the history of me watching football, if I could watch one player, it would be Rodgers. And with all respect to Brady, all respect to Montana, I think if we're picking teams and I got first overall, Rodgers is who I'm taking. I mean, he just amazes me time and time again. And this was no different. I mean, this was an unbelievable show of will and toughness. However, the one thing I did say, though, is it's kind of lost in all this. When he came back, and obviously his knee is bothering him, but he doesn't even throw with good mechanics to begin with or his feet set. Sometimes he's in the air anyways when no one's around him. But what I think is lost in this incredible Willis Reed comeback is it wasn't like Rodgers was making Rodgers-like throw over and over and over. It was like the Bears just kind of crumbled because they they saw the Big Bad Wolf came back. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the value of a quarterback that not only everybody believes in on your own team, but everybody is frightened of on the yeah. other team. And there's only a couple guys in the league. Uh, you know, I, this sort of reminds me, I remember, and I came out in 2001, so this is a long, long time ago, but my draft class was a guy named Michael Vick, Drew Brees, uh, Chris Winkie, and a guy named Marquise Tuiasasopo. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and Tui's a, a quarterback coach around the Pac-12 conference. But Tui played at Washington, and they played Drew Brees as Purdue Boilermakers in the bowl game. And Brees got hurt, you know, sometime around halftime or whatever. And Tui said when they saw Brees come back out of the tunnel, jogging back out in, the, like, the third quarter, they knew they were screwed because <laughs> it was just, you know – They'd seen Breeze do so much, and the whole stadium went nuts, and their whole team just had this huge burst of energy, the Purdue Boilermakers, and and sort of took the wind out of the sails as Washington was trying to make their comeback or whatever. So, yeah, I I think that, you know, the the, the Aaron Rodgers effect, we've seen it. I mean, we've seen it in, you know, in in playoff games, that that crazy game a couple years ago with the Arizona Cardinals where – you know, he, was, he was on his own five or so yard line and he had basically two plays and he threw a 50 yarder and another 50 yarder uh, for a Hail Mary touchdown. I mean, just some of the stuff that that he has done uh, over his over this career, just, you know, there's just magic there. And uh, it's it's respect from his own team and energy to his own team and belief. But it's also uh, it just sort of adds like, you know, is, is this going to happen? You know, right. is this going to happen to us on the other side? But, you know, the way he throws. Yeah. Uh, if you watch him play, he bounces so much on his right foot. If he would have hurt his right knee, he couldn't have played. Okay. But hurting his yeah. left knee, he keeps most of his weight on his right foot. Sort of like a baseball hitter. You know, the, you, you put more weight on your, on your right foot your if back you're a foot. Yeah. hand hitter. You keep your weight back, right? And your left, your left foot maybe have 30 or 40% of the weight. He keeps about 80% on his right foot. So he can really then just, boom, unload uh, by pushing off his right foot. So he doesn't need his left as much as his right. But his arm strength is so incredible. I mean, even after that injury, that that long touchdown pass he threw, I think that was 55 yards in the air. You know, that's hard to do. Into it with two good legs, he did that in basically one leg. Uh, it, it was an incredible performance, and he he was still sort of bouncing around the pocket. Um, he just has no fear whatsoever. He has no fear of failure, no fear of getting sacked and fumbling, and, and maybe something bad happening. He's always thinking of, uh, and his whole mindset is, you know, what good can happen uh, when he has the football. And uh, he's the best. Overwhelming confidence. 
overwhelming confidence yeah. and uh, and just say absolutely no feel of failure or fear of what could possibly bad uh, you know happen. So um, in my lifetime, uh, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. His ceiling is higher than anything I've ever seen. Dan Marino, I think, was was the greatest thrower to ever play the game. Yes. But he didn't have the creative stuff that Rodgers does. And so, you know, he's this sort of mix of Dan Marino and, like, Russell Wilson. Uh, it's pretty dang incredible. Yeah, that's pretty extreme guys to combine into Superman, really. You know, imagine if Marino could move around like Wilson. I always say if Marino played today, he would have blown all Peyton Manning's records away. Yeah, I think so. You know, it was such a game back then, and the game's more, you know, uh, you know, offensive. His release was so dang quick, and the way he could throw seam routes and and just fit balls in the tiniest of holes. Uh, you know, that was my early football years watching him. Uh, you know, back there playing, back there slinging it with that big boot. But man, he was a, a fantastic thrower of the football. And at the end of the day, you know, you got throwers, you got runners, and you got mixes. You got to throw the football. Uh, to be an effective NFL quarterback. Yeah, I don't want to keep you any longer, but please just give me a minute or two on what you thought of Trubisky in week one. Seems sort of uneven, but to be expected. Well, you know, I actually thought he was good. Yeah. You know, I, I, I rewatched the game this morning. I said, I do this uh, 670 to score radio show uh, in Chicago, and they wanted me to just basically talk about Trubisky. So, you know, I have to watch a little Trubisky tape every week. And, you know, there's not a lot that I would look back and say, you know, he really should have done this, really should have done that. There is a, a challenge to playing with the lead. And they had a 20-0 lead at one point in that game. And, you know, there's that. that's where that sort of like, well, uh, when, when, you, when they ask me to drop back and pass, I can throw it, which, you know, they always say when you throw the football, three things can happen, two of them are bad. Uh, but you also can get, you know, sack, fumble. You know, you, a catastrophe could happen when you have the ball in your hands. And, and he ran the ball you know, probably five or six times in that ball game, a couple times for big first downs, a couple times for like seven yard gains. But I thought he did a really nice job. I, I really like their offense. They have uh, their whole offensive sort of other than the running backs, their receivers and tight ends are almost all different from last year. They got some really quick, fast guys, obviously Cohen. Uh, I like Howard as a running back. Uh, I like Taylor Gabriel. I think it's a nice pickup. He's one of those small, quick guys that'll work well, uh, you know, sort of a poor man's Tyreek Hill. But uh, I thought Trubisky played well. He's a very accurate thrower. Uh, he's a really good athlete. And I get excited about the young quarterbacks who can really move around and throw the football because I think that if he is sort of uh, allowed to, to, to let loose and not overly coached and overly put into this sort of square of you have to do everything perfectly in this way, I think if you allow the kid to make some mistakes, he, he, he's going to develop into a really good quarterback. I bet you in – Three or four years, uh, maybe maybe before that, we talk about Mitchell Trubisky being a better quarterback than, say, a guy like Matt Ryan who can barely move. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, people say that he's a total sponge. I mean, you got to think, he only played like 11 games in college, and he's still grasping this very, very quickly. And the one thing you said that I just want to reiterate to the audience is I don't think people realize just how gifted of an athlete he is. I mean, he is one of the better athletes at the quarterback positions in the league right now. He is. Yeah. He is. And, and said he's he doesn't miss a lot of throws. He missed a couple in, in the game, but, you know, he, he he's a pretty accurate thrower. I like the way he sort of dropped the ball down a couple times. Again, it sort of showed me he's not this mechanical robot. 
Uh, he's got a little savvy and a little gamesmanship in him. Uh, he threw a couple sidearm passes in the game uh, that were completions. And so, yeah, I, I, I think he's going to be a good player. I do know this. When he came out of uh, North Carolina, uh, I talked to a couple NFL uh, um, uh, quarterbacks, coaches, slash coordinators, head coaches, and they said he knew very little mm-hmm. about the complexities of sort of the NFL game. Uh, yeah, obviously at North Carolina, they must have run a, a very college offense, a very unique offense that didn't have a lot of NFL concepts in it. He wasn't asked to do much with protections and, and things like that. So, you know, this kid is coming in really raw from a mental standpoint. He has the physical skills, and it seems to me he's really picking up the NFL game fairly quickly. Yeah, great stuff as always, Sage. Stop back next Tuesday. We'll do it again. Uh, thanks, a, thanks a ton, man. This was a blast. I could talk for hours on this. All right, Matt. Uh, every Tuesday, let's do. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks again.